Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. For today, we will continue our conversation on the emerging markets with a focus specifically on India. So joining us for this morning's conversation, glad to welcome back the Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office, Alejo Zerwanko. Alejo, always great to have you here on top of the morning. Thank you for spending some time today with our listeners, our clients. Welcome back. Thank you, Dan. It's really great to be with you. Absolutely. So as mentioned, Alejo, we're focusing our conversation around India for today. It's timely because I know you recently released a piece entitled Investing in India, a Visual Guide, because I've understood that a lot of our clients, they've actually inquired about investment opportunities in India at a rate that you haven't seen in over a decade. So I'm curious, why do you think that is? That's right, Dan. I think it's due to the simple observation that India 10 years ago was the 10th largest economy in the world. Today, India has become the fifth largest economy in the world. And if everything goes as planned, according to the IMF, India will become, in just five years, the third largest economy in the world, uh, right behind the U.S. and China. And this has to do with a country that, of course, is growing quite fast. Indeed, India is growing at the fastest pace of any major global economy, uh, you know, in the ballpark of 6% on a yearly basis. And I think this is something that's sustainable, that's exciting, and that's what's driving client and investor attention in the country. So let's dig a bit further into that, Alejo. As you mentioned, a lot of economic growth with more projected. What are some of the drivers behind India's high growth trajectory, do you think? I would highlight three. Number one, human capital. Number two, economic reforms. And number three, geopolitics, right? Let me go through each of this in turn. Starting with human capital, um, India is a country of 1.4 billion people. It became the country's most popular, the world's most populous country in April of this year. And India enjoys a very young population with a median age of just 28 years. This is a full 10 years below that of China, for example. And uh, if you project forward then, the country should be adding 10 million new folks to the labor force every year over the next 10 years or or more. So this represents a a sizable tailwind for economic growth, particularly if these individuals are taken care of from a health and education perspective, which by and large you see quite a bit of it in in India. The second driver is economic reforms. Uh, Dan, as, as you might be aware, Prime Minister Modi has been power for almost 10 years. Is expected to seek a third five-year term during next year's general elections. A priority of his administration has been to make it easier to do business in the country. And I'll give you a few examples. In 2017, he managed to approve a goods and services tax. This is a tax reform that aimed to increase tax compliance, increase formalization of the economy, and was fairly successful in doing so since. Another example, you've got a country that approved a bankruptcy code to make it easier for companies to fail and start again. Uh, And you've got a a country that managed to 
uh, developed a digital payment infrastructure through QR codes. This is being widely used uh, in, in, the, in the country. And uh, the expectation is that we'll reach 1 billion transactions per day handled by this system by 2026. These are just a few illustrations of a range of efforts to improve India's ease of, of doing business. Lastly, I highlight then geopolitics. We've talked about this in the podcast before. Uh, I believe we have firmly transitioned from a geopolitical world order that used to be unipolar to a multipolar one. The U.S. is no longer as widely perceived to be the undisputed preeminent power. China seems to be willing to challenge the global order established by the U.S. and allies. And in this context, you've got countries that have become known as, quote-unquote, middle powers or geopolitical swing states that see the opportunity to avoid picking sides and pursue their interests with flexibility. I think India falls squarely within this last group. And so you've got a country, for instance, that is benefiting from near-shoring trends, um, multi-billion dollar investments have been announced in just the last few weeks by com companies such as Apple, Foxconn, and Amazon in India. Uh, and so, um, you know, the, the reorganization, the redrawing of the global geopolitical map is in increasing India's importance and, and, in a way, ability to benefit from this reality. So those three, I think, are mostly behind uh, the growth story then. So, Alejo, now that we have a better understanding of the growth drivers, the other side to this is, of course, understanding the risks to the outlook. So what would you cite Alejo as being the risks when it comes to India's growth outlook? For starters, I think we need to recognize country. Uh, India is a country of contrast, right? Uh, it's got economic growth, but it's got a GDP per capita today that is comparable to that of the Republic of Congo, Nicaragua, or Angola, right? You've got a lot of income and wealth inequality in India uh, these, these days. You've got ethnic and religious tensions that are running deep in certain areas. And in addition, um, when we look at governance indicators that measure progress in areas such as voice and accountability, political stability, government effectiveness and others, these indicators have been moving largely sideways in recent years, so not a lot of improvement. In addition, I would highlight risks related to the other side of a more assertive India. India is spending a lot more than it used, than it used to on, on military. Um, and in this context, you saw, for instance, a country that was engulfed in a diplomatic spat with Canada and other Western democracies over allegations that um, India was involved in the killing of a Sikh leader in Vancouver. So, so look, um, you know, they're, they're pros, but there's also risks, right? This is still a, a, a developing economy, an emerging market. Uh, it's a more assertive developing economy, and, and this uh, brings together a, a, a few realities to, to take into account. Given those risk considerations, though, also accounting for the growth drivers, the pros you walked us through a bit earlier in the conversation, in this context, does it make sense to invest in India at this time? I think you simply cannot ignore India 
from an economic, geopolitical, and investment perspective today. I think if you look at the properties of Indian assets, they're quite attractive. You're looking at Indian equities and Indian fixed income instruments that have a relatively low correlation to global assets, and this is good when constructing a portfolio, right, um, for a, a range of, of possible scenarios. In addition, you are getting exposure to this secular growth story, right, through Indian Indian assets. So, so I think uh, absolutely, and. Um, those investors that might not be as familiar with India, the best place to start is through diversified vehicles such as mutual funds, exchange-traded funds. Um, but, but I think the hype around the country is justified, will likely persist, and investors need to incorporate this into their investment portfolios. Well, Alejo, it's very interesting to hear about the investment case for India. This story is one that will continue. So do look forward to having some follow-up conversations down the line, though. Thank you for joining our listeners, our clients, to lay out the investment case, talk about the risks, and do look forward to picking back up with our conversation again soon. Thank you, Dan, so much for having me. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Alejo. Again, we have been speaking today with Alejo Zerwanko, Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Again, I do want to point our listeners, our clients to the publication which Alejo has been referencing during our conversation this morning, uh, that being Investing in India, a visual guide. The publication is now available up on UBS.com slash CIO, though for clients of UBS, simply reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of the publication directly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.